right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. The topic of our podcast today is something that I hold dear to my heart. I say it <laughs> all the time. I, it's probably one of my most uttered phrases at Warrior Sports Wellness. And, and that quote is, which is a post on our Building a Fighter page, you cannot cheat physiology. And Alex, what does that mean to you when I say you cannot cheat physiology? Well, it means that you can if you really try hard and you're special. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, all it means is like you have to trust the process and, and take it step by step. A lot of the times we have special athletes and they are skilled. They are um better off with their genetics they do have a lot of special abilities but that doesn't mean that the change that we're looking for is going to happen immediately um because i think a lot of athletes specifically expect thing expect to get things relatively quickly because they do right they they get the techniques really well they uh can move really explosively or or they have the cardio for days or whatever but when we talk about physiology and we talk about making a change to how you've always moved or making a change in a rehabilitation program, like uh, you have to take the steps and you, there's no shortcuts. There's no easy fixes. There's no quick way to quote unquote better, right? right. Like you have to trust the process, I guess right. is how I would filter that. hundred percent. Like I tell people all the time, like no matter what it takes a about a season or like 90 ish days to start building an aerobic base, right? Like no, no matter what, I don't care what you do. I mean, at the lowest end, we'll say like 70 to, to really make an impact on your aerobic base for long-term yeah, health. I agree with that. You can't do it in 30 days. You can't do it. If you're doing an eight week fight camp, guess what? What is that? So that's eight weeks, two months. So 60 days, you can't make a fucking aerobic base in 60 days. I'm sorry. You can't. Yeah. So like you, you're not Superman. You're, you're not a superhero. You're not Thor. So you cannot make be, those maybe. super shut the fuck up. <laughs> you, you cannot make those superhuman gains that you expect to make when you can't cheat physiology. The same can be said on the recovery side, which is honestly where I say it more, where no matter what, there is a normal physiologic healing time. I, I, I would like to say I'm good at my job. I say I'm good at my job all the time. I know I am. I can't make a grade three, so a full torn ligament heal in two weeks. It is not right. possible. I don't, I don't care who you are. You might be fucking Wolverine. I cannot make a fully torn ligament heal in two weeks. It's just not possible. I need a minimum of two months for that tissue to remodel, reattach, and be functional. So you can, and, and but there is what I want to go into is there is a range with which you can do things, right? Just because there is a physiologic healing time doesn't mean you can't be on the front end of that physiologic healing range, right? It's not a specific day like, oh, it takes eight weeks. Well, it's, it's going to take anywhere between eight weeks and four months. If you do things right, it's going to take eight weeks. If you do things wrong and you sit on your ass and you don't load the tissue, it's going to take four months. So that's where working with somebody qualified or working with a, a higher quality professional takes over. But don't expect that higher quality professional to be a fucking magician because <laughs> they, they can't just magically make things go away. You can't cheat your physiology. 
Well, you mean you can't fix people by cracking their backs on a table or, or making their hips even or Amen. legs the same or length? Leg length, yeah, leg length inequalities. <laughs> what what's the all the other shit? Yeah. Oh man, put, it, put your bones back in place, dude. It's hard to hear people when they tell me. Well, I went to the chiropractor. And he said my hips are off. My hips are off. It's like, hmm, well, and so are did you tell everybody him everybody else's? Yeah, did, did you tell him to go fuck himself? Oh, I mean, man. my favorite one is my ribs out. My qu- yeah. every single time, even if with you, whether you're a new patient or yeah. or existing patient, I'm like, well, where'd it go? Like, did it did it fly? <laughs> is it? Do you have eleven on one side now? Like, yeah, where yeah, where the fuck did funny. it go? But no, you're you're saying exactly what I was about to jump in on is that there's definite individual differences that happen in those healing processes and the rehabilitation steps that we take are going to chip away at that time. And like you said, doing the correct process is going to minimize the recovery time. It's going to maximize the value that we can get out of the time that we put in. So, I I mean, I don't work a whole lot in rehabilitation settings uh, until they get cleared or whatever, but one thing I consistently tell athletes is like the healing is going to take a lot of time and your trajectory is not going to be as straightforward and like perfectly uphill as you want it to be. There's going to be good days. You're going to have jagged edges in that trajectory, but we're going to trend upward and you have to be a little bit more mentally resilient to understand that and to take that in stride. It's, I mean, it's just like your, your technical growth or your strength growth. It's like, we're not, we're not going to PR every single workout. It just, it can't happen like that. Right. So we have to take into account a lot of the acute stressors in your body. We have to look at the overall trajectory over time. And then again, trust the process and and work through it in a logical sense. Try not to shortcut to the end or just get straight to the good part. Right. Because that's what I, I, I love athletes. I love fighters specifically for their toughness and for Mm -hmm. their grind and for their grit. But going on a run is not going to fix your ankle sprain. <laughs> like I, I love, no, it's going to lo- probably make it worse. I, yeah. I love that. You want to stay on your cardio. I love that. You're missing out practice. You feel like you still got to work, but there's a smarter, better way to do it. Do that. So let's work together and find a better solution. Mm-hmm. Right? But a lot of the times that's the problem is that that takes extra effort. Finding a solution takes the extra effort of, right. of a, and going on a run's easy. Like going on a run is hard. Don't get me wrong, but the the process of choosing what you're doing that's the easiest because that's what was originally picked by the coach, right? It's going on that run, right? But I think what we're trying to say is making the change is the difficult part. Like 100%. it's easy. It's easy to do what you know and continue grinding and and continue down the same path. Like I'm blown away. And this happens a lot in MMA, but it's just human behavior. It's so much easier to pick the harder or worse, um, but familiar path mm-hmm. than it is to choose the new path that even in every objective sense is better, but it's still a change. And you got to adjust to that change. Like change is hard and scary. And like, I know that's like a typical, you know, mental skills type of thing to think about, but change a lot of the times you're not willing to accept it because I've gotten here by doing what I do and I'm Mm going to continue to do what I do and I'm going to continue to see results. But, but the truth of the matter is quite frankly, you may not, you might, you might not. I mean, you, you also got that injury by doing what you do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You you also have the skill set by doing what you do. Right. Yeah. And 
Some people, literally, they've built up this skill set. They're so good at all these things that they're really good at, and they want to get good at something they're bad at, but they don't understand that getting good at something you're bad at, it's probably going to have a little bit of a sharp uptick right away, right? Because it's an unknown skill, and then it's going to plateau. And then right there, the same saying applies. You cannot fucking cheat physiology. There's going to be a plateau and your body is going to adapt. Once your body adapts to that plat or to that stimulus that you gave it, because all of this is just stimulus adaptation, stimulus adaptation, specific adaptations to impose demands, which is just the basis of strength and conditioning we talk about all the time. Then guess what? Then your body, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to be like, well, is this really the right thing to do? Is this what I should be doing or should I go back to the other thing? And you're going to want to course correct back to what you feel comfortable with. And what I want to try to challenge everybody listening to this to do is trust the motherfuckers that you're paying good money to like help you with this. Right. Because typically the people listening to this, I would like personally, I would like to think it's more of a higher educated audience that are listening. And because they have a coach or they want to work with a coach building fighter programs, building fighter.com that shameless want to get, shameless <laughs> that want to get better at their training and they have to trust the process and that's such a bullshit saying but in this situation <laughs> it makes so much sense that's why people say it it's a bullshit saying because it gets said by charlatans it's not right. it's not necessarily bad words it makes a lot of sense when a good person saying it to where you just have to trust the process there's going to be ups and downs just like alex said Forward progression is not a linear curve. So that means it's not a straight line up. It's always going to be up and down and up and down, similar to like um, like a heartbeat graph, if you will. Like it's always going to be peaks and valleys as you go through. But as long as the trend is going positive, you're on the right path. It's really hard to see that when you're in a pitfall, though, even though you're above your baseline where you were. And I, I would like to challenge the people listening because I know I, I even the people I, I know that I say this fucking phrase to listen to this podcast. I challenge you to just trust the podcast or trust the process and just go with the punches because you can't cheat your physiology. You might just be in a downswing and that's a hundred percent. Okay. And expected it's, it's something like, I, I don't know about if you get this all the time, but like I have athletes that come to me and they, they have a bad day or they have like a bad two week stretch. And they don't, they're not performing the way they expected. And they think like, am I doing something wrong? And I don't get that like alert feeling. I I, I don't give them what they think that they need where I'm like, oh man, we got to sound the alarms. We got to change shit. Yeah. Because I know that that's expected. You're yeah. supposed to have pits and va- peaks and valleys. That's just called training. Yeah. And it's not always supposed to be positive. If it, if it is either a, you're Superman or it's too easy. Exactly. <laughs> or you're probably not doing hard enough shit and you're not making actual benefit, beneficial training. Yeah, hundred percent. I think there, there's a couple different like scenarios where, where athletes get frustrated with this. And like early on specifically in my coach career, I got frustrated with this, like where like shit gets boring, right? Like I think, um, mm-hmm. one athletes see down ticks and performance, right? Like that, that, immediately triggers like the panic button. Like we need to change. We need to do different shit. Like, ah, 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 right. The other thing is like the slow, consistent, boring type shit, right? Like that a lot of the times triggers athletes. Like I need more, I need harder. I need different. I need like, I need to struggle and it has to be a new grind. Right. And like, quite honestly, not all the time. No, No. you, you don't have to change things up super 
consistently. Like I'm a fan of changing things up because I think you can still get the same stimulus with a little bit of variability, right? But you can't wholesale change into something and expect like, all right, we're going to do a hard lactic day on Wednesday and then Sunday. Now you're in shape. You know, like <laughs> this shit, this shit's not real. But, it doesn't happen. But what's right? crazy is that's what people expect. Sometimes <clears throat> they think, oh man, I did one 30, 30 <clears throat> session on the bike. I sh- I should be a monster right now. I did I did four 30 30s in a row. I should be a fucking monster. That's well, just not uh, the case. What's the Bruce Lee quote? Right? I don't I'm not I don't fear a man who's practiced ten thousand kicks. I fear the man who's practiced one kick ten thousand times. 100%. Right? Like like a hundred percent applicable because the best and in shape guys aren't the guys that went through a hard eight week fight camp. Mm-hmm. The best and in shape guys are the guys that are running consistently throughout the whole year and throughout their whole life, right? Like, like when you build those high performing habits, you have to almost be religious to them and stick with them because that's, what's going to carry you through to the top. Then you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Then you don't have to be scared of the downfall, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. And so, and, and that is honestly an easier process, right. To be consistent and know that that thing's in front of you and it's a lot easier to tackle than, you know, changing shit up every eight weeks. Like that's exactly the argument we just made, like change and, and and doing different stuff all the time is hard. Mm -hmm. Right. So So I make the good shit, the consistent shit, make the good shit, the easy shit. Exactly. So I'm going to go into a story real quick. So it's going to be a a little while. So I got the, I have a kid I work with, a young kid, 24 or 23, I think, 23 or 24. His name's Caden. Um, he he doesn't even have a fight yet, but he was a college wrestler. He was an All-American in JUCO. And he he's got that look crazy in his eyes, right? <laughs> he he he's a hot he he's a hot prospect where in my mind where mm-hmm. I saw him spar once and I my measure of how tough a human is sparring is if you're sparring with Henry Corrales who hits like a fucking Mack truck <laughs> and he got hit with a left hook, right straight combo that Henry throws. That's it's, it's the one that knocked out Pico and Caden fucking, he got his ass knocked down, boom on his ass. He just looked at him and he didn't back away. He got up and he's like fucking shook out his arms. He's like, all right, motherfucker, let's go. <laughs> and this kid doesn't have a fight. And I'm like, all right, this kid's special. I want to work with you. <laughs> and so I'm working with this kid, Caden, and today I switched it up on him in the middle of a workout without him knowing <laughs> I'm kind of a dick sometimes. And I know that he knows how to push the air bike really well because he he's a college wrestler. College wrestlers know how to fucking ride. An, yeah. You know how to ride an aerodyne bike at a high RPM rate. And you can, if I want maximal power output with a, with a wrestler, I'm going to put them on an aerodyne bike because nine times out of 10, they know how to push on an aerodyne bike. It's just, they, they know how to use that modality better than all the other ones. So he had originally, I was going to have him do skill work on the skier because I'm trying to get him better at the skier training, but I had to modify some things and intensity wise out of our, um, original, um, I guess it'd be more considered like strength speed portion of the workout. And I just made an adjustment on the fly where I threw in lactic work instead. And instead of being on the skier for his lactic work, I put him on the air bike, which fucking wrecks him. Mm. 
because he knows how to do it. Right. If you know how to do it, the air bike is not your friend. Exactly. So he had 20 forties on the air bike and he had prescribed five and I only let him do three because there was a drop off. Sure. But he, it was a really cool moment for a coach. And that's why I'm going into this story is that he came up to me and after, well, before he was fucking pissed at me, he's like, it said skier. And I'm like, that's cool. I modified it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I love the kid, but I'm like, hey, shut the fuck up. I'm the coach. Like, hop, hop on the fucking bike. Like, Dude, let's I've go. had I've had the opposite <laughs> happen a lot where I take out the harder shit and then athletes get equally as mad as me. So that's so like, more that's more common. I, yeah. That happens to me all the time where I'm going to cut you back. Like when I told him he couldn't do the last two sprints, he looked at me like I killed his dog. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but he when I told him he had to go on the air bike and he's like, no, it said the skier. And I'm like, I know what it said. I know what you're doing. You're doing the bike. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, well, but it said the skier. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't give a shit. You're doing the bike. I need this intensity out of you. And once I explained it, he was on board. So he jumped on the bike and he fucking repped it out. He hit his max wattage ever on the first lactic threshold, which if you know anything about lactic or on the first lactic sprint. So if you know anything about lactic work, if you hit your max wattage ever, guess what? You're probably gonna have a drop off on your next one. Mm -hmm. um, so he just fucking dropped off after the, after the third one or after the second one. And then on the third one, I could tell like, Hey, we got to cut it here. I cut it there. And then he comes up to me he's like, it's so, it's so frustrating to see how poorly I perform on, on the bike compared to like a Henry Corrales or to Hunter. Cause he's done that next to those guys. Sure. And it was so cool to see, to tie in full circle, why I brought up the story to your story where athletes that I've been working with that are extremely consistent with me, both Hunter Azure and Henry Corrales, where they go, they've gone through this cycle for three years. I've been working with them now and have gotten better and know how to use their lactic system, know how to push in lactic power intervals, know how to do these things are extremely consistent. And then for Caden to understand, like after he said that he's like, but I'm just not there yet. I need more time. And for a 24 year old to understand that and to see it's not a matter of he had a bad day, which he did, which is 100% fine. It's a yeah. matter of I just need to be more consistent and put in my time and put in my dues. This is going to come through. It was a, I, if to me at least as his coach, a proud moment to me where it felt like that 24-year-old fucking got it today. He understood that it's not about one day. It's about the year. It's about the macro yep. cycle when it comes Amen. to energy system development. And, and that's at the base of it, the entire quote behind this podcast, which is you cannot cheat physiology. Physiology likes macro cycles. It doesn't like micro cycles. <laughs> it's well, going to benefit you in a macro cycle level. Let's, let's, uh, let's make a bold claim here about cheating physiology. Let's say, Let's say, and uh, I'm going to get a lot of haters, I feel like, for saying this quote, but an eight-week fight camp is an attempt to cheat physiology. 100%. Like, like I, I understand the eight-week grind or whatever, and that's become such a staple in the culture of our sport, which we need to change. But it's like, it's not like, uh, who's the, God, there was one good UFC, one UFC up-and-coming prospect that like just came out of nowhere, took a short notice fight and like pieced a guy up on the feet and they're like man this guy took this fight on you know two weeks notice how was he in such good shape uh henry is it is his last name henry oh derrick henry yeah he trains with justin barnett is it yeah yeah um, derrick henry's like and he's like 
I stay in the gym. Like I live there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you believe that after watching his performance, yeah. right? White it's not, kid with long hair, right? He yeah, fought, yeah, the uh, yeah. Barcelos. Exactly. 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 And like, and he was super big underdog, like didn't expect anything from him. Right. Mm-hmm. Saying short notice, everything, but he like, he hit all his techniques. Perfect. He did every coaching cue that there is in the book. And I, th- I believe he is a coach himself, but it's Victor like Henry. Sorry. Victor oh, Henry. Yeah. Thank you for looking that up. Um, but it's like, Man, like you believe that when he says it and it's the the microcycle, the year long process. And for a lot of people listening, that doesn't mean go ham for 52 Mm -hmm. weeks. That's not it's not a 52 week fight camp. You don't need to do that. It's it's the wave and do what's appropriate for the timing that you're in currently. Right. So like those guys that you you mentioned, uh, uh, Hunter Azure and the Henry Claralis, like they're not in fight camp constantly. They're working on different adaptations. They're they're coming in some days and maxing out. They're coming in other days hitting the air bike. They're coming in other days and, and exactly like I said it's a positive feedback loop. The more consistency you can create, the more consistency comes back to you because those decisions just get easier and easier and easier to make. I uh, I had a uh, the privilege of coaching a high school wrestling practice right before this, and we had our black shirt Tuesday, which black shirt Tuesday just Is means that, that a we're- privilege. <laughs> I had a good time doing it. Um, but Black Shirt Tuesday just means that we're, we're going hard. We're going to wrestle a lot of live on yeah. Tuesday. That's our grind day, whatever. But for a lot of kids in there, it was their first time. You know, they're freshman wrestlers on an experience or whatever. And like, and you can see it. Like when we go from the live wrestling to the drilling to the technique, it's just like it's a super steep drop off. Mm-hmm. And there's no more intensity in it. And I had to I had explain to them, it's like, this consistency and this work ethic is a decision that you have to make every rep, every standup, every takedown, every single time. It's not a one time oh, I made that decision. Now, now I'm consistent, period. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a decision you have to make every morning. It's a decision you have to make going out your door, going to strength and conditioning. It's a decision that you have to make when you're at your technical tactical practice that I'm going to get the most out of this time, not exclusively via uh, my motivation in the moment, but I'm gonna get the most out of this time via my consistent behavior. And I know how I approach things. Right. And like, and and that decision gets easier, the more and more and more you make it to do things the right way Mm -hmm. or to trust the process. Like you said, trust the coach in front of you or even damn near to trust yourself, man. Like that, that I feel like that's the next level. What's funny is like, uh, the entire podcast is you can't cheat physiology, but literally the three stories in a row have come down to, well, in the long term, the only way to cheat your physiology is to fucking be consistent. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? yeah. If you want the closest thing to cheating physiology or having a superpower, it's consistency. Yeah. Like I, I work with Vanessa Demopoulos and she's perennially or consistently an underdog. Her last four fights, she's been an underdog and she's three mm-hmm. and one. And in her weight class, she's three and oh. Her initial fight was against JJ Aldrich up up a weight class on short notice at 125, and JJ's a fucking big girl. Yeah, like, JJ's she, in Orlando. She's a big girl. There was no way a 115 pounder coming up was going to beat JJ. Like that was just yeah. hard. And the one thing when when people ask me about Vanessa, uh, what I have to say because she's a big personality. She's the chick that jumps into Joe Rogan's arms or Bisping's arms, mm-hmm. and she's she's got that personality. But the one thing that that I and not envy, but I'm proud of her for is she is the most consistent athlete I work with of yeah. anybody. 
any of my bigger names I work with, anybody I, anybody that I have had the pleasure of working with in the strength and conditioning and healthcare realm, Vanessa Demopoulos has been the most consistent person. She okay. shows up three days a week in camp, out of camp, whatever. She is there in order to get better. Yeah. And whether it be we need to do a four out of 10 day and we just decrease the intensity of the workout or a 10 out of 10 day where we're fucking going lady balls to the walls like she's there and she is consistently showing up because it's on her schedule and her schedule is is her own Bible like her yeah. schedules her Bible. She's not going to go against her Bible. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I have an athlete, Austin Jones, who fights for Fury. And every time we put something in front of him, and I know he does this at practice too, every time we like say, all right, you got six reps here. We're going to the Versa for Tabata. His, his immediate response is, all right, I'm here for it. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's really <laughs> cool to watch because he's that consistent and on the button. And he's one of the most consistent guys that I work with. But there are so many good examples that fighters can yeah. – follow and the consistency is not a guarantee that you're going to win it's not a guarantee that no, you're not gonna, at all you're going to get everything you've dreamed for but it's a prerequisite if you do get what you dream for mm -hmm. right like you're not going to get there without it and that's that's kind of how i talk about strength and conditioning to a lot of my athletes too or a lot of athletes that that see the weight room as a little unnecessary for mixed martial arts which in some instances it could be but they're like, oh, man, I don't need to do that lifting weights. I've got this far without lifting weights, blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, you know, sure, you can do that and you can get as far as you can go. But I'm telling you, without this piece of the puzzle, without this part of the equation, you're not going to get to the top of the top. Like 100%. Period. Yep. And, and as a coach, the people that are consistent are the ones that I want to invest my time into. Because sure. something that that athletes don't realize is that Yes, I do things because I'm nice. Yes, I do things because I, I care about all of the athletes I work with. It is an investment of my time, though. It, it is my time and energy and going emotion. into you that I can use other places. I could be spending time with my family. Yeah. I could be I could be doing all these other things with my time. I'm giving it to you and investing it into you. Yeah. The people that show up every day, the people that understand that the process is going to be what gets them to the top. Those are the people that I want. I, I'm going to come in on for a Sunday. If I, if they need mm -hmm. me on a Sunday, that's what I'm going in for. Like yeah. I got another guy, Ray waters. He shows up, he texts me on a Sunday. I will fucking be there at whatever time he needs me there on a Sunday, even though that's the day for my family, because I know that he actually needs me and he's going to show up when I ask him to. Yeah. If Amen. you're spotty, if you're, if you're just an extremely talented athlete, that's gotten away with your skills, but you don't want to train. I don't necessarily want to root for you as a coach, right? Like if, if I'm, if you're my guy, you know, I got your back no matter what, but I'm not going to put, I'm going to put the effort in that you give to me. Yeah. Right. It makes it, it makes our job a lot easier to like, like I think about like going to a session. It's like not necessarily that you dread the session or, or this or that, but it creates again, more positive feedback loops. I feel like I just try and identify those as we go through, but like, Session is going to be great because I know the athlete and I know that they're um, trusting the process. I know that they're consistent. I know they're going to be there early for warms up, warming up. I know that I'm walking into a good scenario versus mm -hmm. walking into a scenario that I have to try and correct or um, or address in some capacity or change. You know, mm -hmm. like like that stuff gets hard, and that's what wears on you as a coach. And I'm not going in on a Sunday for something that wears on me. Like, fuck no. You know, yeah, that, I'm, I'm not going in on Sunday. You're trying to get a break for. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going in on Sunday for an energy vampire. 
Like if you're taking energy from me, I'm not going in on a Sunday. I promise you that. (laughs) Amen, dude. Amen. Yeah. And we definitely get energy from our clients. Like that's one of like the biggest things I've learned through getting a a more busy schedule and this and that. It's like you can give and receive energy. And it's again, another like kind of universal rule of life. The more energy that you give, the more you get back and the more that you can compound and get interest on and move forward in a positive relational setting, which, you know, ties everything to those circles back to the coach athlete relationship, right? Like, cause then I can consistently be there because I can account for more factors in my programming. I can understand a lot more what's going on in your life. I can predict to an easier degree, what type of stress we need, where we're at and, and all this. And there's going to be one-off things here or there where I need to modify a lot, but it's a lot more predictable. And and when things are predictable, we can um, better program for them. Yep. But sorry, right, I want to bring it back to you can't cheat physiology, even though we've sure, been doing sure, this sure, whole sure, sure. soft science shit that you love to live in. Dude, um, just accept <laughs> it and it is what it is, man. So you can't cheat physiology. So here are some timetables that um, I think are useful, at least, or the TLDR version of this podcast. For physiology, if you got a muscle, right? So grade one, no, well, really, no matter what, it's going to take about a week, right? If you have a grade one, which means a 25% or less tear, it's going to take anywhere between one to four weeks for that muscle to heal. Grade two, anywhere between really probably two and a half up to about 15 weeks. And then grade three is anywhere between uh, uh, the numbers are a little bit, like I said, it's a range, but anywhere between three months to I'd probably say about a half a year or six months. If we're talking tendons, tendons are a little bit harder to work with. So you got a small tendon or just like, or not a small tendon, but like a lower grade tendon issue. That's going to be about three to seven, three to six, three to seven weeks. And then if we have like more of a, like a chronic tendon issue, that's been there for a while. Think about like a pattern that you just keep pissing off over and over and over again. Then that's going to be anywhere between like two to six months. Dude, this is how crazy good that would be. That would be an amazing fight. Yeah, this is. Sorry about that. Listening to Sean O'Malley. Um, my phone just decided to start. I don't. Oh, my my wife must have brought my car in. I'm getting my shit worked on. Anyways, so talking more on physiological healing times. So physiological healing times. So tendons, I think, is where I left off. We have a like a like a longer pissed off tendon that's been there for more than we'll say four or five weeks and you just continue to piss it off. Then we're talking like two to two to three on the small end and then five to six on the top end of that tendon actually healing and physiologically remodeling the tendon. If we're going ligaments, which typically are going to get less of a blood flow, then that's going to be on the low end, anywhere between two to seven to eight weeks on the mid end, so 25 to 75% torn, that's going to be about, and the low end, two months, which is crazy to think about that tendon, or sorry, ligaments, two months on the low end, if you have anything above a 25% tear, up to about six months or a half a year. And then on the high end, so you have a full torn ligament, a half a year is typically how long it takes for that yeah. ligament to remodel and reattach, Right. That's a fucking half a year, bro. But people think they need to be back in two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's it's mind blowing. But 
on the high on the low end, it's about a half a year. On the high end, it's about a year for a fully blown ligament. Because there's not enough blood flow in the area, not enough blood flow, you don't get the nutrients. If you don't get the nutrients, the ligament is not going to heal properly. And then lastly, we have some more of our like connective-ish tissues or our like our softer tissues, our labrums or um, menisci in the knee, stuff like that. That's going to be anywhere on the on the low end for a meniscus to heal, just because blood flow might be an issue, um, or like a labrum is also another option. That's going to be about three months. On the high end, it can take up to a year. That's a very big range. And then on the on the far end of the spectrum. If we're talking about different injuries, like fractures, that's going to be anywhere between like uh, uh, shit. It could be three, three weeks for a really, really small, like stress fracture all the way up to more than a year for a, for a large fracture. But, um, when we say those ranges, right? Like some of them are like two months to seven months, six months to 12 months. That's where finding a highly qualified professional that knows how to point you in the right direction and then also doing all the little things correctly are going to benefit you. Because one of the main talks I have with you can't cheat physiology is doing the little things right. If you aren't sleeping eight hours, what the fuck are you doing? If you're not eating like an adult, like having proteins, carbs, and fats, what the fuck are you doing? Like if, if you're not managing your workload efficiently... What the fuck are you doing? Like, these are the little things that are going to pay high dividends and they're going to allow you to maximize your physiology, not look at it like, what the fuck, man? Why are you holding me back? Yeah, 100%. I, I saw a funny meme the other day. It's uh, it's like swimmers expect a crazy bump from their taper. Meanwhile, they haven't been eating right, sleeping right, or consistent in their training. Right. It's like, it's like you only get to reap the rewards if you've put in the time, effort and energy. Um, but no, I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying with the ranges and doing the little thing. And, and again, we can go to context is king, right? Like mm-hmm. depends how, where, why, what happened, but then there's no arguing the process and it can be shortened by doing the meticulous little things. So you talk about cheating physiology or whatever, let's work with it instead of trying Mm -hmm. to cheat against it. Right. Exactly. It's like you almost have to work harder to avoid the thing than do the correct thing that, you know, right. Right. And so I was just going to say so many people like, you know how easy it is just to go to bed or within 30 minutes of the same bedtime and wake up within 30 minutes. You know how easy that is to do. You know how, yeah. how few people actually do that, athletes yeah. included. Dude, that's athletes such an especially. easy, <laughs> that's such an easy step to add into your day that is going to help you. You can't cheat it, but you you can maximize it, maximize your physiology. That is yeah. literally going to set you up for success going into your day. Sleeping at the right time, waking up at the right time. But people don't want to do that because it's it's a little bit inconvenient. That's Dude, just going to maximize what you're doing. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't envy the guys that go above and beyond and run inclines and, you know, whatever, five mile uh, jogs every day or, whatever, or five mile jogs or do crazy shit. I envy the guys that can do the small shit every day mm-hmm. and be consistent in that. And since you went into a little bit of like timetables and physiology in healthcare, I want to go into a little bit for strength and conditioning. And that's where we can talk about a lot of like training residuals type of stuff yeah, yeah. and that, that goes into our like positive feedback loops like the more you train a lot of these things the longer they stick with you 
mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's Nick Winkleman's uh, training residuals, which just say essentially aerobic endurance, the stuff that takes long, uh, slow durational type of stuff to build. If you don't train that, it's going to take give or take, or it's going to go away and give or take 30 days, right? So you got a big buffer window and the longer that you invest in it and continually build it up, the longer it takes to go away. Mm-hmm. Same thing with your absolute strength. If you put a lot of work in to get really strong at some point in your life or career, it's going to take a long time for that to go away. Like that shit doesn't just atrophy overnight and some shit does, but the absolute strength, the um, aerobic conditioning does not. And then we can go into like our um, lactic system. I'm sorry, I'm reading a, a glycolytic, which we don't really use, but lactic stuff that takes, you know, give or take two or three weeks to go away mm-hmm. and to, to fall off. So if you don't train it for 18 days straight, you're going to get worse at it, right? But the more money you put in that bank, the slower it depletes. And right? all you ha- and the other thing is all you have to do to main you just have to maintain it. Yeah, right? 100%. you don't have to keep increasing, and that's what people don't understand is that all you have to do is maintain it once or twice, and then there you go. It's not going to drop off. Guess what? Yeah, for another twenty one days. Yeah, you're back up to the eighteen day <laughs> drop off, a hundred percent. So, so yeah, it. it it's this game of strength and conditioning and training gets easier and easier the more you play it and the better that you play it. Right. So mm-hmm. again, positive feedback loops for days. Um, lastly, uh, and sorry, strength endurance goes a little bit along with that lactate. It's a little shorter. So that's like how well you can hold your grappling strength and grips and stuff, or like if how well you can do 10 to 12 reps, um, that's about 15, 14 days. But then the maximal speed and the alactic conditioning is what goes away and has a really short residual. That's stuff that, that, you know, depending on where you're at in your training, it takes time to build it up. But if you don't train it for a week, you're going to lose a lot of it. And that, that's the concept behind the peaks and tapers that we do. But that stuff is a little more touchy because it's a lot more neural based than uh, like mechanical based. So you can't cheat that. You have to taper and peak at the right time. And the only ability to, taper and peak at the right time is if you've been consistently doing all the right shit and you're in a great position to do so. But the cool thing about that for the people we're talking to, which are MMA athletes is that guess what you're doing on fight week, fast twitch shit. You're probably going to be hitting mitts. You're probably going to be doing all these different movements that are higher intent, like higher speed, the quicker, the speed, the quicker it leaves. Right. Right. Well, (laughs) you want to, a little pessimistic view. What you're real realistically doing on fight week is starving and dehydrating yourself and displenishing all of these categories anyway. But correct, I digress. <laughs> yeah, correct, but like you don't, you're maintaining your skills without being in the weight room, and so many people don't realize that. Like if you're hitting heavy, like if you're hitting a fast or hard mid session as like a shakeout, if you will, on um, say let's say Tuesday of fight week, we got we have three guys from fight ready, three two guys and a girl fighting in Orlando this weekend. I guarantee they hit mitts tonight. You know what that did? Maintained their or maintained their fast twitch fibers. Yep. Maintained their alactic capabilities because they're probably hitting mitts. Fucking pop 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 pop. That's going to maintain the alactic capacity or the alactic power that they main or that they built through their camps and then they can just ride off into the sunset. They don't have to keep doing it from there on out to maintain everything they did. A hundred percent. That's a, that's a huge barrier that I, I try and bring up a lot that strength and conditioning coaches forget is that the technical tactical work you're doing it as much as we plan around it, that shit is still a big stimulus. 
Yep. Right. So it's like, you know, you don't have to fucking take a trap bar or resistant bands on the road fight week to do some alactic shit. It's like, mm-hmm. no, just rip the bag with some kicks. Just do your you fucking know? sport, bro. hundred <laughs> percent. That's <laughs> yeah. Again, that's where we can downplay the strength and conditioning, but no, I think that's a, that's a lot on physiology. And I think that's a lot that, um, to digest and to maintain. But I think like the moral of the story is be consistent and it gets easier and easier and easier. The more you're consistent over time. Mm-hmm. And don't expect miracles because you're <laughs> not Superman. I don't care what anybody told you or who's Fix trying my back to, now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care who's trying to pump your ego up and tell you you're amazing. You're not Superman and you're going to heal at the same rate as everybody else. Good future topic, by the way, is that once you fix all your shit, you're not done. You have to maintain that's it. That's true. Yeah, that's but fair. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Anyways. All right. If you got if you guys got to get in touch with us, all of our information is going to be in the show notes. Um, if you want any of our Building a Fighter programs, which I shamelessly plugged in the middle of this podcast, that's going to be at buildingafighter.com. That is buildingafighter.com. Dude, I was actually reviewing and looking at those programs are solid. I know. I mean, I did did the same. We wrote wrote them like six months ago or however long ago and haven't really looked at them besides when we prescribe them once in a while. But those are pretty solidly built. The conditioning ones that we don't even have listed. I'm like, oh, shit. Those are rough. (laughs) Every (laughs) time I look at those programs, I'm like, I really need to do this. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Oh, God. But all right. So if you guys want any of those programs we talked about, those are at buildingafighter.com or you can also DM us at Instagram on Instagram at building a fighter. We can send those over to you. This is Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Friedman, and we are out.